Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, Luke O'Neill here again, and welcome to my show, Me the Science podcast. Now, this week, this is going to sound a bit strange. I'll bet you've never really considered this topic before. Uh, I have, because I'm a biochemist. I'm going to tell you all about the signs of earwax. Now, if you're of a sensitive disposition, you might want to avoid this one because I'm going to talk about, you know, flaky earwax, syrupy earwax. Uh, there's various sort of grades of earwax that our body makes. Uh, and as a biochemical thing, it's a fascination. And in fact, when I became a biochemist all those years ago, I was kind of drawn to understanding the chemistry of life. And that means understanding the chemistry of our blood, say, or our skin or our brains. Earwax is a natural chemical and I was intrigued by it, you know. And as children, you'll all remember your mother or father poking your ear with a Q-tip to clear out the earwax, you know. And then we were all we were all obsessed with these nasty things our bodies make, aren't they? You know. But I'm going to tell you all about the science of earwax. And as an immunologist, because of course that's my specialty, uh, it's really important because guess what earwax does for you? It kills bacteria. It's got natural chemicals in it that will stop your ears getting infected. The ears are very sensitive. The ear canal goes in, you know, and it's, it can get infected and earwax is a great protector. And you, I'm going to tell you some fascinating things, at least if you're an immunologist, as to what makes earwax especially interesting. So it's an important thing. I think the reason why I've come across this topic, I was reading, I came across it recently is, now that we all have AirPods in our ears, we see a lot more earwax, don't we? You know, on the AirPods. And I bet you wonder, what is that? And can I maybe stop it or clean it up, whatever it might be. Now, earwax is clean, nothing, nothing to be worried about. It just looks a little bit offensive maybe to us but that, we're more aware of earwax than ever because we're all putting these airpods into our ears and some people do try to clear the earwax out of their ears a lot and that's not to be done as i would advise you trying to avoid that because it can do various things that are damaging now let's look at the biochemistry of earwax first of all you can show off with this the technical name is cerumen so say to someone oh i see you've got some cerumen there coming out of your ear that's what we call earwax right that's the, that's the technical term for it it's got three main ingredients dead cells so skin in your ear flakes off and that goes into the wax. You'll see, if you take a look at down the microscope, you'll see all these remnants of, of dead cells. It's got oils, oily stuff, and sweat goes in there as well because there's a bit of sweat in the ear too. And this mixture then of dead cells, oily chemicals, which I'll go through in a minute, and a bit of sweat, a bit of liquid from the sweat, that's what forms the earwax. And what's amazing is there's a massive range. Some people have really dry earwax. Some have very flaky earwax. Some have very oily earwax, you know, very wet. We, we use the term wet and dry, actually. At least the experts do. They call it dry earwax or wet earwax. And there's a massive range. And again, no surprise there. Everything in biology, we're all slightly different based on our genetics. Your face is different to mine because your genes are slightly different and earwax is no different. You'll see these differences between them. Now, what is the oil that's in there? That seems to be the key active ingredient. Well, it's made by what are called sebaceous glands. These occur in your skin as well and you're making all these natural oils by these special glands in your body they're around the hair follicles and you might know little hairs in your ear right at the base of those hair follicles we call them are these sebaceous glands and they secrete these special oils that go in into the, into the wax and that's where the differences come because some make more oil than others some people the oil is more viscous bit stickier and the texture might be different and it's very individualized is what we use for this and that's where those differences come from and the diversity is really down to that 
Now there is at the, at the extreme this very thick earwax. That there are very rare situations where the ears are really bunged up and they need to be, you know, cleaned out occasionally. But that's in the extreme. Most people don't make very thick earwax. And then one really fascinating discovery was they discovered the genetic basis for whether you have syrupy or flaky earwax, right? And there's a gene called ABCC11 in 2006 in the journal Nature Genetics. And as you, anybody who listens to me will know, look at where this stuff is published. That's a very eminent journal. In fact, that's the top genetics journal, really. So we know it's probably true. Uh, that particular gene is responsible for the earwax type. So one type will give you very dry, another type gives you much wetter earwax, and it's based on this ABCC11 gene, interestingly. And that seems to be tied into regulating the composition, whatever's going on there in terms of the oily composition. What's also been shown is um, East Asian, Asian people are inclined to have more drier earwax, Africans are a bit wetter earwax. And this, again, this is probably genetic in terms of what's going on there. Maybe the environment, of course, has selected that out, which is interesting as well. Uh, but it is genetic, the wet versus the dry. If you live in a warmer climate, of course, the wax is inclined to be a bit liquidy anyway, because the temperature is a bit higher, a bit more fluid in that situation. Drier climates, it's going to be dried out a bit. So there's also effects on the atmosphere that you're in as well that might affect the consistency of this. Now, one, one thing that's important is in children, it can become a problem. And the reason for that is their ear canals are a bit narrower. And sometimes the wax is made a bit much of it and it begins to clog up that, you know. So it can be okay to be gentle then and maybe remove some of it, you see. But often it naturally falls out, by the way, because eventually it'll dry out and then falls out of your ear. And anybody who's a parent may have seen little bits of wax falling out of their children's ears. But sometimes you might be careful and maybe control it a tiny bit, you see. But don't overdo it. Don't be sticking in it. Q-tip that can, that can cause damage so be very very careful and as you get older interestingly uh, the sweat and the oil become less productive so older people are inclined to have drier flakier earwax than younger people now you might think when you have a cold or a flu <coughs> or something your ears are all bunged up that's the sensation we get often in that situation and of course you'd have experienced this for example on a flight sometimes the pressure change you feel a real build up of pressure that's pressure changes on what's called a eustachian tube that's nothing to do with earwax that's simply to do with, you know, certain um, other lymph systems it's called in the ear they're bunging up because of the infection you know and that creates the impression then that you feel your tubes basically are being blocked but they're not being blocked by wax that's simply your immune response up in your ear area I guess creating the sensation of congestion and obviously in your nose and your sinuses they all feel congested as well so that kind of sensation of blocked ears during infection that's nothing to do with them with, with wax at all now let me get to the other part of the immunology of this story and again this, this begins with I guess biochemists characterizing what's in the wax and what they find are some very interesting things. So there's these oily substances. They're mainly things called fatty acids is the name of the particular oil that's in the earwax. And guess what? Fatty acids can kill bacteria. So if you put bacteria into earwax, they will die. And it's the fatty acids in the wax that's killing the bacteria. So that's one reason why the earwax is protective. Secondly, the other thing that's in the wax is little things called peptides. Now, peptides are small proteins. And again, this is put into the earwax by the cells, you know, in the ear, and they can kill bacteria as well. They're called antimicrobial peptides. And in fact, every fluid in your body 
and it might be in your sweat, it could be in, you know, various fluids, whatever they might be, in your saliva, have all of these antimicrobial peptides. It's like a built-in antibiotic, isn't that wonderful? Nature being a great thing. And then if there's a bacteria there, the antimicrobial peptides will destroy the bacteria and kill it. It's a wonderful thing. So again, earwax then is almost like an antiseptic in a strange way. And those components then are defending you against infection. And remember, if you have an infection in your ear, that can be very damaging. So lo and behold, nature has built in a special natural antibiotic, if you will, to handle especially bacteria and fungi. There's no evidence of antiviral properties in the earwax, it must be said, but still, there's good antibacterial, antifungal, natural biochemicals in the earwax that will protect your ears from those infections. Now, of course, generally speaking, the infection won't do that much damage unless you've got rupture of the skin there. If you get a bang on the ear, or something's gone into your ear, or maybe you've been bitten by an insect, then there's a breach. And that's when the wax might kick in and begin to defend you, you know, in that situation. And if there's a bit of bacteria getting in there anyway, the wax is there to kill it, just just in case you get tissue injury to cause the problems. So again, it's a wonderful example of evolution in action. You need, even though we go, oh dear, when we look at wax, it's having a protective effect and protecting you from these various uh, nasty germs that might infect you up there. One other thing that's interesting is you can detect things in earwax that you've taken into your body amazingly. So in other words, uh, let's say you, you, you take a certain chemical in, the, in your diet, some of it might end up in the earwax. You can detect that. But for example, if you wanted to detect whether somebody's taken a drug for toxicological purposes, and this might be an illicit drug, say, you can detect that in the earwax and show the person has been taking that drug. And that can be useful in various situations. Again, it's being used now as a tool, I guess, to look at drug use in people. They often use hair follicles for that or urine, but you can detect chemicals in earwax as well. So you never know, even with um, doping in sport, you know, you can detect some of those things in earwax too. So the earwax is kind of a reflection on what's going on in your body. That's probably because it's getting into the sweat, actually, and the sweat then ends up in the earwax and you can detect it in that way and it's being used and studied in that context. And then the other thing to mention on this, which I should have mentioned a minute ago, it's very acidic earwax. They don't, don't try and taste your earwax. It's quite acidic and it'll taste a bit like vinegar. Not that I've tasted my own, but that acidic environment is very good at killing bacteria as well. So the pH of the earwax biology is lowering the pH, and that makes it even better at killing various things that are there, right? So that's another little bit to, to be interesting in terms of what earwax is, is, um, is made of. Now, and as I say, the big thing is don't be picking at it. <laughs> don't be poking at it, because you'll do yourself more harm than good. It's a natural thing that's there. You know, to protect you. So don't don't be overdoing it. Don't be trying to clear it out unless you're in the extreme end, or in children. They're the only two places that you might consider doing this. Now, the last little fact I came across this when I was doing my research for you. Guess what? The monks back in ancient Ireland who were colouring in the Book of Kells and various illuminated manuscripts, they used earwax as a source of pigments. Isn't that amazing? So they they got a bit of earwax out. They did something with it. I don't know what they did, mind you. But they got a pigment from the earwax, a browny, beigey colour, obviously enough. And some of the colours that we see in those illuminated Bibles originated in the earwax of the monks. Now, that's a great example of ingenuity, isn't it? Because in those days, now we're talking like the 6th and 7th century, you couldn't go down to the local shop and buy a marker pen, could you? To colour in the Book of Kells or whatever it is. You had to use other pigments. And the monks figured out that earwax was a source of pigments. And not only that, it stays the colour for a long time. And I remember the monks were trying to create illuminated Bibles that would last forever in praise of the eternal nature of 
of Christianity, you know. And they realised that earwax was a great way to get a chemical out, whatever, that would form this pigment. So next time you visit the Book of Kells, and do come and visit it if you want, or you might look at these illuminated manuscripts in different contexts, think to yourself, ah, some of that colour was a monk taking some wax out of his ear and then making a pigment that he then put into these wonderful illuminated Bibles. So there's the usefulness of wax. I wouldn't recommend that you do that yourself. Go and buy a brown marker pen. But still, uh, ingenuity in action there. So there you have it, the science of earwax. I hope you enjoyed that and got some useful information. And thanks as ever for listening. And of course, my podcast is available for download every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. And it's a News Talk production. And thanks for listening.